T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. To refresh your memory, the Sox were indeed historically great a year ago. They set a franchise record for wins with 108. They won the AL East for the third straight season, first time in team history. They were dominant at Fenway, 57 wins. The offense just smashed records. They led baseball in runs and batting average, OPS. Well, 2019 has proven to be a bit of a dip, kind of like your podcast host, a bit of a dip. And as a restart button's about to get hit and the World Series rematch begins this coming weekend, let's see what we've got here. A bonus edition podcast back from National Lampoon's European vacation. This is Sox Daily. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. It's your Daily Sox podcast. Daily Sox Podcast. Oh, it's your Daily Sox Podcast. And here's your host, Josh Blumen. Qualifier here, kind of back from European vacation. Last time I put down a podcast, I was at London's Heathrow Airport. I am now once again at London's Heathrow Airport about a dozen days later. Josh Lewin with you. This is a a podcast that was not planned. I really just thought I'd be zipping right on to an airplane getting back to San Diego from Heathrow. I I won't bore you with the yada, 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 but um, I've got about a 12-hour delay. So the, the least I can do is break out another podcast. And just to kind of wet your whistle for this monstrously fun three-game weekend series coming up against the juggernaut Dodgers, a team that was unjuggernauted four games to one this past October, as you might recall. But let's dive into where the 2019 Red Sox are right now, which is 49-41 and in nine games behind the Yankees. Now, last two North American road trips, I will give them this. They went 5-1 and one on both of them. The TKO in the U.K. counted as a pair of home games, remember. So, hey, if you win 10 out of 12 on the road... And you're starting the second half of the season with a little jump in your step. That should make you feel pretty good. But as the British say, wait a tick. Uh, They are nine games out of first for the first time since the end of the 2015 season. That was the year ownership gave up on Ben Sherrington and hired Dave Dombrowski. And to be totally fair here, Dave has done what he was hired to do. The Sox, they're riding a three-year streak of ALE's titles. They won a World Series in a dominant way last year. He's made a lot of right moves. I know Tyler Thornburg wasn't one of them, but hiring Alex Cora as manager, that was good. Uh, But anyway, to this year, the Red Sox seemingly can't beat the good teams, and that's a problem. They're 16-23 and against these seven teams that they trail in the AL. Yeah, that's right. They trail seven teams in the AL. They can't really sustain success. Right? I mean, they were, when they won eight of nine recently, they followed that with two duds against the woeful Blue Jays at Fenway. This entire season, really, to me, has been when you're texting back and forth and you stare at the screen and those three little dots come up 
dot, 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 and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. So what, what is, what, what's happening? What is the return message here? What are we looking at? Three dots, three dots, three dots. It, it was like waiting for Kawhi to, to sign in the NBA. And we're just waiting. We're waiting for the Red Sox to get hot and stay hot. So uh, how the Red Sox play against the Dodgers this weekend, against the Rays in about a week and a half, and against the Yankees right after that, that's going to give us a true representation of whether or not they can actually win in the postseason if they make the postseason. So we'll break it down here while enjoying uh, some of what's good. I mean, Vasquez has had a breakout season. Devers has had beyond a breakout season. Bogarts is a total stud. So it's not all a tire fire. Let's be clear here. Uh, let's be fair here, right? I mean, that's kind of where I want this podcast to always be. However, here's where we start to rip a little bit. One and six against the Yankees. They just scored 21 runs in the most recent two-game series against the Yankees and lost them both by allowing 29 runs. So that, that's one thing we put over here. Pitching. Let, let's settle in like a fat guy in a hammock and spend a little time on this thorny little subject. The the Red Sox, through 90 games last year, had a 3.79 ERA. This year it is 4.70. Pitchers with an ERA of 4.70 or thereabouts right now would be Nick Kingham and Trent Thornton of Toronto, Willie Peralta and Homer Bailey of the Royals. So basically every member of the vaunted Red Sox pitching staff right now is essentially Kingham, Thornton, Peralta, and Bailey. The, The starters in place of Evaldi, They've had a 6.80 RA, and now that Evaldi's set to come back, he's going to be, at least for a bit, the closer? What? All right, let's work this one out. What kind of closer might Evaldi be? His stuff isn't exactly typical for that role. I mean, he does throw 100, and that's great, but he doesn't really miss a lot of bats. Even if we grant him last year's career-best strikeout rate of 8.2 per nine innings, he'd always been around 6.5 for his career. He would rank only 24th out of the 27 relievers with double-digit saves right now. His career-best strikeout rate of 22% would be 25th, ahead of Blake Parker and Sergio Romo. That, that's, that's the list. Uh, so he is what he is, and, and that's someone who doesn't get a lot of swings and misses, even though he's got the big velo. It's worth noting, too, that most of his relief work last October came in what effectively amounted to a start. It was a six-inning stint in Game 3, memorably. And Evaldi has said a lot when he's been asked about it. He doesn't really want to be used as a reliever. He turned down offers from other teams to be a closer before accepting what he accepted with the Red Sox, which was to be a starter. I know the back of the baseball card shows so far he has pitched in relief eight times in the regular season in his career, does not have any saves, I just don't think you can go off of that at all. There is a little Red Sox precedent. Uh, If you want to dredge this up, in 2005, some of you might remember, Kurt Schilling opened the year on what was then the disabled list after his ankle surgery, made a couple starts before going back to the shelf for the next three months. And when he came back right after the All-Star break, he came back as a closer. And his first appearance against the Yankees didn't go well. His ERA was up over five in that closer role, but he did stabilize the back of the Sox bullpen for a time. One inning, two inning stints, he ended up saving nine of 11. And eventually with Jonathan Papelbon emerging in the bullpen, the Sox brought Schilling back into the rotation, and that's where he ended up. He actually uh, closed with a 10-to-1 win against the Yankees, the final game of that season. So 
I, I kind of think it's too simplistic anyway to say the Red Sox biggest need is a closer because the, the Red Sox need pitching, period. They, they need it in the rotation. They need it in the middle innings. They need it for mop-up men. Uh, they need it when the offense gets a, a comeback going. The, the Red Sox, you, you, I'm sure, are aware of this, kind of neglected their bullpen this winter. They tried to make up the difference by assembling this supposedly wonderful rotation. But this is the 18th best ERA rotation-wise in the majors right now. They've averaged a little more than five innings to start. That's kind of middle of the pack. At the All-Star break, when scoring five runs, well, last year they were 25 and 24, I guess it was, when, I'm sorry, when allowing, excuse me, when allowing that many runs. The 25 and 24. This year they're 11 and 34. That's a difference of 12 games in the standings, and it's a bullpen this year that in terms of ERA and percentage of blown saves, it is worse than the Oogie Urbina bullpen of 2 it's worse than what they threw out there in 2012 with Alfredo Aceves and that lot. They were 27 for 34 in saves at this time last year. They're 17 for 34 right now. Heath Hembry is coming back. That's good. He is back. Uh, was out since June 11 with that strained right elbow and the, the 30-odd appearances he had before getting hurt. 189 opponents batting average. And with runners in scoring position, it was 119, 6 for 44. Mentioned Tyler Thornburg is done as a Red Sox. Finally, bait has been cut. Don't want to spend a lot of time on that. It's just not worth revisiting or embarrassing anybody about. But let's talk Chris Sale as we jump to the rotation here because this is going to have to be a guy that goes and does what he's capable of doing down the stretch here. He's 3-8 and eight with a 4.04 ERA. 4.04 not found in the Chris Sale lexicon until right now. The Red Sox in his 18 starts have won six times. That's a worse record, 6-12, and 12, than this revolving cast of number five starters. So, uh, you know, you, you look at the velocity. Yes, it's down 92.9 on the average fastball this year. It was 94.9 a year ago. The command hasn't been there. And the, the most mind-blowing stat it has been basically a calendar year without a regular season win at Fenway, July 11, 2018. Now, he did win game one of the ALDS against the Yankees, but talking regular season here, he's either taken the loss or gotten the no decision in his last 12 non-playoff starts at home. I'll give you wins at Fenway since Sale last got one. Price has eight of them. Porcello has seven. Brandon Workman has seven. Hell, Tyler Thornburg has two. The Indian Shane Bieber has two. So Chris Sale has got to get going here. He's been a tough luck loser a few times, but fact remains this is not what a $217 million lefty is supposed to be doing for you. And, and he knows that. And, and like Sale, Rick Porcello, highest ERA of any season of his career right now. It's 5.07. Flashes of dominance for both guys. They just have not been able to, to carry it through. The Red Sox have roughly $90 million invested this year in Price, Sale, Porcello, Evaldi, and Rodriguez. And even with Evaldi making only four starts, and his replacements averaging about three innings and a 6.80 ERA here. It's everybody in this rotation. So uh, Sale, 7.02 ERA in his last three starts. It is simply time to get it right. If they need to go shopping, and there are rumblings now that maybe they will add a starter. You don't want to completely blow up the farm system because there's not a lot to blow up as it is. But the Mets are starting to shop Zach Wheeler. I think that's a great fit. 4.4 ERA, I know that's not terrific, but 
Got about a 10 strikeouts per nine innings thing going on right now. And maybe Matthew Boyd, the Detroit left-hander. He's 28, doesn't hit the free agency market until 2022. He's having a career best year, 3.72 ERA, about 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Cooled off a bit in June, but still a pretty good guy if you can find a way to get him. There's going to be a lot of people besides the Red Sox, though, that want those two, Wheeler and Boyd, just to throw a, a couple names out there. Boyd was uh, part of the prospect hall that the Tigers got from Toronto for David Price in 2015. One of the last moves Dave Dombrowski made as a GM of the Tigers before leaving to come to the Red Sox. All right, so that's pitching. We have time to talk a little hitting because, again, I'm stranded for 12 hours here at Heathrow. I mean, I, I could go through the whole farm system here, but this is usually about a 16, 17-minute podcast, so I'm trying to hit the post here if I can. Uh, Devers not going to the All-Star game was a shame. We know that. Did you know that Devers is younger than the player who represented the Red Sox at the Futures game in Cleveland? Jaron Duran is 23. Devers is 22. And, yeah, Devers beyond a breakout season. Better than a 900 OPS. Uh, On-base percentage is up around 375. 14 home runs, only three of which have been at Fenway, by the way. Uh, Xander Bogarts leading all shortstops in OPS. He is leading the position in, in OB. P as well. If you care about batting average, he's right around 300. Should have been an all-star. Initially, he finally got there because of injury, and at least there's that. He leads Red Sox position players in war. Got a 3.7. Devers next at 3 on the button. Mookie's at 2.4. And JD at 1.8. And in that kind of telling, I mean, Betts and Martinez, normally you'd say that's fine. 2.4 and 1.8 for war. But we know what they're capable of because we saw it last year. Same for Benintendi, who I think is having about a C-plus kind of season at best. He just turned 25, and the question remains, what kind of player is this guy going to be? He's got all-star potential. I think we all feel that, but it's his fourth season now. Is he just going to be some sort of serviceable role player? Is is he um, David Murphy from 10 years ago? Is that who he is? I don't think so. Jackie Bradley Jr., his first 40 games, you'd grade him as an F. But his next 40 or 50 games, he'd get easily an A-. minus. Very tough to figure. Michael Chavis and Brock Holt, both probably B-level players right now. And that's exactly what you expect from Brock. You didn't expect anything from Chavis, so that's fine. I want to talk about the catchers for a second. I I would give Sandy Leone a D because, remember, he was brought up to get the pitching staff back on track after that terrible, terrible start really hasn't happened that way. Catching predominantly Chris Sale, the Red Sox are only a couple games over 500 in his starts, and he's battled to hit 200 at the plate. Vasquez, though, my God, where, where did this pop come from? He's got more first-half homers than the rest of his career combined. Now, he's looking like the guy that Alex Cora has insisted he, he really could be. All right, the last little bit of the podcast, let me switch tracks, and let's talk L.A. Coming in for three. And the Dodgers, who are obviously running away with it in the West, uh, no hangover for them. They had been 36-9 and at home this year before a little slip-up against the Padres last weekend. They actually lost their final three games heading into the All-Star break after those ridiculous five straight walk-off wins, three of them on home runs by rookies. But look at them big picture. Last six years, win totals of 92, 94, 92, 91, 104, 92. But with no World Series titles, they've been called a successful failure. 
and the natives are restless. It's 12 trips to the postseason the last 24 years, but they haven't won a World Series. Might have if Hugh Darvish hadn't tipped his pitches in Game 7 a couple of years ago. But, I mean, you know, why call that a failure? Just because Hugh Darvish had a couple bad outings at the worst possible time. 2018, they ran into a buzzsaw. The Red Sox had already won 114 games by the time they got to the World Series. So I'm looking at the last 30 years here. 17 other teams have won a World Series. The Marlins twice. L.A. has gone without, and that's why the natives are doing that restless thing. The Dodgers have Hunjin Ryu. He has been amazing. They have Cody Bellinger. He's been amazing. Best infield defense in baseball. That goes underreported. Their infield is combined to save 44 runs, most of the majors. And what differentiates the Dodgers, I think, is how good they are in using shifts. And Bellinger is a game changer in the outfield. He just is. So that's what we're looking at for a three-game series starting Friday. And again, uh, I promise you a more coherent podcast on Sunday night turning into Monday. We'll recap the Dodgers series for you at that point. But look, if I'm going to be stranded at, uh, at Heathrow for dozens of hours, literally, at least I can do is take, uh, what, 17 minutes and give you guys a podcast? And that takes me like half an hour to, to mix it down and send it off. I mean, that's nothing. Now, the objective is to go find a very long stretch of chairs where I can lie down like a hobo. Although, you know, let, let, me, let me rephrase that. It doesn't have to be a very long set of chairs because I'm like 5'6". six. could probably be three chairs. And I do have a suitcase with me, so I'll take out some, some clothes that I have worn before and uh, kind of turn them into a, a little blankie. I'll be fine. Please, don't, don't worry about me. Everything's going to be just fine. So, uh, anyway, I'm Josh Lewin. <laughs> That's the podcast. I'm going to sleep. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.